Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning. Welcome to the Saturday morning D&D show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, sir. Hello. Welcome, everybody, <laughs> uh, to a very special episode. Not not necessarily, but I like to say that. A very special episode of the Saturday morning D&D show. A very we are, average episode. Yeah, we're a D&D talk show. Um, I got my beard trimmed and I got a haircut, nice. so it's all very exciting. Uh, it's hard to get those haircuts in the uh, the pandemic times, so that's that's where we're at right now. Uh, we're mm-hmm. going to talk about some Dungeons & Dragons stuff. There's a little bit of news, and then we're going to dive right into some bardic inspiration and yeah. probably talk about some of our favorite older settings of the Dungeons & Dragons. And um, then, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we're going to talk about our games. That's kind of the format of the show. I hope you enjoy it, if you do tell a friend and all that other jazz. But first and foremost, what is the news of the week, Mr. Lucian? Well, we're kind of coming hot off of last week's uh, D&D celebration. So hopefully mm-hmm. everybody had a wonderful or fun D&D celebration yeah. if they joined in. I watched- Did you? One or two things. I, I watched the DMs panel. Yeah. Um, and that was nice. It was pretty much your standard, typical DMs advice show. Um, I didn't, you know, they, it was a group of kind of actors and, that are DMs, really good DMs and improv people and Hollywoodish kind of people or California type people. So it was very, theater driven kind of I felt like advice that you get a lot when you're talking about DN dungeon mastering because I think a lot of people like to compare it to that like you're gonna you know you're gonna be in a to improv, in improv or, show yeah. or you're gonna you're collaborating a story together and you're always uh you know yes and you know those kinds yeah. of things and those were the types of people and I get that that's a style that is very popular it's a style that lots of people use it's a style we've used in our games at times um so it was still good to watch. And if you're brand new, absolutely go watch it. There's some really amazing dungeon masters on there giving giving their advice. Cause you had the dungeon master from like Adventure Zone. You had Deborah Ann Wall was on there. You had um, I'm trying to think of some of the other dungeon masters. They were from a couple of shows I don't necessarily watch. I only knew a couple of them, but it was still pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and Satine was on there, so she always mm-hmm. gave you know really good advice. Um, so that was the one I watched. That's the one I picked up. I watched a little bit of Chris Perkins and Jeremy Crawford talking about a few things, being a designer. Um, yeah. Those are the ones I watched the most. I don't think I watched too many of the games. I don't know. What about you? What did you get out of D&D Celebration? Um, no, I watched I watched those panels. Uh, uh, the, the Jeremy Crawford and the uh, Chris Perkins one talking about Rime of the Frostmaiden and going into design like... Uh, design philosophy of the the next book tasha's book uh, the taco book as i like to call it um cauldron of everything uh so i watched that and then i also caught most of the acquisitions incorporated stream oh, that's um, the one i need to go back to which was really fun and it was really fun to have uh they're they're back in forgotten realms so oh, i don't know if nice. you know this but like they've been Avernus yeah. and uh, Ravnica, Ravnica and like I mean all over the place. They are there. Where are we? Uh, and it was it was fun to see those characters again, especially Strix because I, I I'll be I'll be honest. I missed Holly Condred. Like I like her mm-hmm. as a a player and I like Strix as a character and she's just fun. So it was fun to have her there. Um, and the like feud between her and Jim Dark Magic. Uh, but it was a Zoom call and they're all streaming like you and I do when we stream mm-hmm. on the internet. Uh, and 
without all of the like pizzazz, without the stage and the audience reacting and laughing and things like that, it felt uh, like every other thing. And it, it, and it was interesting because a lot of people are like, well, I'll never be at the quality of Matt Mercer. I'll never do this or this. And I think, uh, well, I want to say two things, but anyway, I, the first thing is, is I think that, um, if we took our regular silly show and put it in front of a live audience and people could react and shout things and things like that, that all of a sudden you would think the quality of your show is so great. And then um, I want to eat my own words because when the pandemic first hit and Critical Role said, we can't, we can't do regular Zoom call streams. And I was like, why not? That's what everybody else does. Like Critical Role, you're so arrogant and full of yourself that you think that, what? But there's a magic to actually playing with each other at, mm -hmm. you know, in the same room. And I think they recognize that. So I apologize, Critical Role, 100%. I, I... I think they saw that it was very important that even though they're socially distancing, they're like, you know, six feet apart from each other mm -hmm. while they're streaming. It was very important that they still are in the same room and can look at each other because yeah. uh, the Acquisitions Incorporated stream just kind of felt like your everyday like stream that you see on the internet, which is not bad, but uh, we definitely hold that to a higher level, I think, because mm -hmm. it's like, oh, it's Jeremy Crawford's the DM and oh, all of this other stuff. Uh, so I don't know, I learned something, but it was a fun game and I like those characters, so. Yeah, going on that a little bit, I've noticed the Dungeons and Dragons when they've been doing their live streams from home, they have really crappy cameras and microphones. Yeah. So I think that adds to the issue. Like you can do Zoom, but you can do it bad. But I've seen some really well done production values where everybody that was going to be on the show had really good lighting yeah. for their cameras, really good cameras, really good microphones that weren't picking up stuff. Um, they had it down pat that even if they were talking over each other, it was all equalized out so it didn't sound too terrible. Um, so I think you could do it, but if you're not putting that effort in, it's definitely going to show. And I think with, you know, you know, I, I hated Chris Perkins' camera the whole time. I watched all of his panels that he was a part of. I was just yeah. like, somebody send him a, a better camera, please, because you guys you know, have billions of dollars. Send him a better <laughs> camera. <laughs> well, they learned from the first one, because I rem the first one, yeah. like Chris was dropping frames, and it was like yeah. you couldn't understand what he was saying. And then some of the other uh, people, I think, if I remember correctly, there was like a cooking show, and uh, mm -hmm. the camera wasn't pointed at the food. And so he was describing and talking, but like nobody bothered to move the camera down. And so it's little mm -hmm. things like that, that I, th I think a lot of these people are like, well, well, and I shouldn't say this, uh, they're probably not this arrogant, but what I was going to say is like, I wonder if a lot of people are going, well, I mean, if that Jordan guy can do it, anybody can do it. Right. And, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. that was one of the things I had, I had multiple streamer friends that were a little upset that they didn't incorporate more streamers. Uh, but for the D and D celebration event, they actually did incorporate more streamers and podcasts and like the venture maidens and a lot of things like that. So, so it was cool, but uh, no, that was the big takeaway for me. Like I love acquisitions mm -hmm. incorporated, but I was watching it and I, and I was just like, it's not this huge stage presence. And, and if yeah. I'm honest, I really liked it when Chris Perkins was the DM more than Jeremy Crawford. I think I just like Chris Perkins as oh, like, see, I, I like just, Jeremy. I Jeremy's good, but I don't know yeah. why, but yeah. yeah. And like Cyberwolf said in chat, which I think was really good. D and D's bad zoom streams for him gave him confidence to then join other people's streams so that because theirs was bad he didn't feel so bad that if he didn't have his camera perfect or his microphone wasn't perfect oh, yeah. he was willing to volunteer for others so that's definitely a good point 
to kind of put out there. And I see LB's in our chat too. So we got LB in the house. Oh, the, his so house. That's um, good. yeah, no. And I guess that's with anything really. Cause like yeah. I might when I mean the first couple of videos I made with YouTube, I used a, a free video editing software I found and like, <laughs> it was all, I mean, it was bad, uh, but you, yeah. you do it more and you learn. And it's the same thing with streaming. I think on the internet, uh, like mm -hmm. my first couple streams were, were awful. So anyway, uh, but so, no, I had a good, I had a lot of good time. That, it was fun. Yeah. They, yeah. So that was last yeah. week. We were coming off of that. Um, it was at least we got something when we couldn't meet, we couldn't see a celebration like we had the year before that, which was something that me and you had been talking about a bunch because it would have been really cool minus pandemic that mm -hmm. they would have brought people together again. You could have went, you could have had this really big production that they were putting on like they did for um, Descent into Avernus would have been really cool, but mm -hmm. we got an online version of that. Uh, other than that, I just saw on, uh, there was a lore you should know video they popped out there called uh, the Red Hag Nomad Tribes. Um, I liked it because these were tribes that were mentioned in uh, Storm King's Thunder. Yeah. You get a bunch of information there to kind of start you out with the different tribes that are going on. And they call them kind of the Uthgart tribes and the Reghead tribes. And they're, they're like nomadic peoples. Yeah. But this one was more um, about the ones that are up in near Icewind Dale. So if you're running, you know, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden and you wanted to, you know, work these tribes in, in some way, have these different tribes that are out there. Um, you know, what, what is some information about those? I thought yeah. was really no, and it'd be you, fun to be a barbarian of that tribe and yeah. you join the party because you have, you know, I got to stop this frost maiden business up in Icewind Dale. It's where I live. So, yeah. yeah. And I like, there's a part in there where they, where he asks them, you know, well, if a character wants to come from one of these tribes, what types of classes would they play? And they actually came up with really a good reason for almost all of the classes. The hard one they had was the wizard. They, they couldn't come up with too good of a reason for a wizard, you know, be studious, studying books and yeah. stuff, and then somehow come from a nomadic tribe. Not that you couldn't there. I'm sure somebody will come up with a way to do it. But the other ones all had, you know, like you said, barbarian, and you could do clerics, and you can do, you know, obviously fighters and thieves and, and bards and stuff. So there was lots of cool ideas there, rangers and stuff that would fit in those tribes. So if you want to know more about them, you can go check out that lore you should know. There was also a tra uh, Dragon Talk video that they popped up. This is more probably exciting for me than Jordan because I always like the Stranger <laughs> Things tie-in. Um, but it was Jody Hauser and Jim Zub. Jody is the writer of the Stranger Things comic that was like a companion to the show. And then Jim writes all of the Dungeons and Dragons comics. So if you want to you know, read any of the comics that are Dungeons and Dragons based, official Dungeons and Dragons based, read his. Well, they've been working on one together that is the story of the Dungeons and Dragons characters that the Stranger Things boys play and what the story is of their characters that they go through. So like, it's almost like a comic about a comic about a show. <laughs> you know, it's like some weird inception yeah. thing going on. But I love it. I can listen to Jim Zub talk all day long. If you haven't seen, he did a TED talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Look it up on the internet. It is a really good, you know, 20 minute, TED talk where he talks about the importance of playing Dungeons and Dragons and how it was important to him and creativity it was really good. So I can listen to him all the time. Um, last Gen Con, the one we actually got to go to, I got him to sign a couple of my books, which was yeah, really we, cool. Yeah, we ran into him. Well, he was yeah. at a booth signing things, but it was still like, yeah, hey, you're super cool. cool. <laughs> Very nice guy, you know. Um, so it was pretty fun. So that's out there too. There's a Dragon Talk with Jody Hauser and Jim Zub. 
um, that I liked. And then uh, those are the things I saw on the Dungeons and Dragons channel. I saw you got a couple of things here for us. news. Yeah. So uh, I want to talk about this because uh, mm -hmm. our last show last Saturday and then was the D&D &D celebration. And then Sunday mm -hmm. they had uh, some more interviews and stuff. And I forget who mm -hmm. they were interviewing because I wasn't watching it live. But a lot, a lot of people were like, oh, my gosh, they're going to do this. But basically they said that their uh, Wizards of the Coast plan going forward with D&D &D, um, after Tasha's in the next 2021-2022, they want to bring back old published settings and more Magic the Gathering settings for 5e. And so everyone started speculating, Spelljammer this and Spelljammer that and stuff. <laughs> and so we, we, we were thinking, like, well, what are the old settings? And you have Greyhawk, which... Um, a lot of people said that they don't want to do Greyhawk because that's tied, or at least TSR didn't want to invest in Greyhawk because that's tied way too much back to Gary Gygax. Uh, and then he left TSR at some point, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And so they were like, uh, we don't really, eh, maybe not. Um, you have the Forgotten Realms, which we have a, a really bad, uh, arguably, I guess people would say it's a bad uh, campaign setting book for the Sword Coast. And if, and if they wanted to actually build a whole here's the long history of the world not just a couple paragraphs and here are actual class tie-ins to specific regions and stuff they could do a forgotten realms book and then we have a uh, dark sun Spelljammer, eberron um i'm trying to think of the other ones that we have uh mistara Birthday, i think planescape mistara. planescape yeah and so uh a lot of people well anyway so they said three they're going to bring three basically old settings back to 5e um, or to 5e. Uh, what settings mm -hmm. do you think is going to be? Like, I have my we, theories, but I wanted to ask yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You always know. And I looked it up. It was they talked to the product manager, Liz Shu, and the executive producer, Way, Ray Winnegar yeah, for yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. So a little bit higher level than we get to see normally. We usually get like Nathan and we get, you know, the designers, but this is up in the upper level. I mean, for me, Obviously, Spelljammer, because I bring it up every single time. Um, I think that would be a good one. I, I'm i sure probably Ravenloft of some sort, because we've already gotten hints, like Cyberwolf had mentioned. <clears throat> Crawford and Perkins have dropped hints about another gothic horror or some more fleshing out of, of that world, Barovia, Ravenloft, mm -hmm. um, that style of game. So I'm thinking maybe one of those. And... If I, I like the idea of planes hopping and, uh, you know, having the different planes and having the planes explained again, fifth edition wise. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I want to lean towards like a, but Planescape itself was like a, a, a Monty Cook version of that, right? Because it was a very different art style to it. It was a very different thing going on with it. It was super cool. I'd love it, but I don't know if they're going to jump back to that. I don't think Greyhawk because it's just too much of Gary's stuff that they would want to do that one, but maybe Birthright. Could they surprise us with a Birthright or a Mistara? Could they surprise us with a Dragonlance? Maybe. I mean, that could come yeah. out of left field. That was another thing about Dragonlance, but people on Reddit were saying that Dragonlance is tied up in some legal stuff. And so like wizards or TSR owned it, but, but, was actually licensing it or something to that effect. And then when it transferred to wizards, it's like, well, now you don't own this anymore. And so for them to make a Dragonlance setting 
is like, uh, could I don't know, but like I hear but the they movie that they want to make. Yeah, but I hear the movie yeah. they want to make is a Dragonlance movie, so uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm kind of confused. I think. Uh, honestly, I think they're gonna like redo the Forgotten Realms. They're gonna double down on that first and just be like, "Hey, we've been putting out these adventures. We're not gonna make Forgotten Realms adventures anymore, or maybe they are, but I kind of feel like they might not." And they're like, "Instead of doing all these Forgotten Realms adventures, you make the adventure." And they they'll give us a big thing of all of that other stuff. They're not mm-hmm. gonna do, and so I think the first one's gonna be Forgotten Realms, but it's not gonna be. Carator, which is the the Asia of Forgotten Realms, and they're not going to do uh, Alcadim, which is yeah. the Middle East of the Forgotten they're not Realms. Touch it because it's it's too controversial, and Wizards has been playing this very safe. Um, mm. And so, uh, and feelings about that aside, whatever. But they they don't want to do that. And it's also in order for them to do that properly, they have to throw a lot of money at very specific people to do a lot of play testing and make sure it's kind of balanced. And even when they do all of that, they're going to get a lot of flack for it. So it's kind of, like, eh. so might as well not do that. Mm-hmm. So after forgotten realms that leaves, you're right. Ravenloft, uh, dark sun, things like that. We space, have not, you know, spell jammer space. We have not seen, um, a lot of stuff for dark sun. Like they haven't really like, hinted at a lot of that that's already mm-hmm. in the thing so i think dark sun's not going to happen mm-hmm. um but i think you're right i think it's going to be ravenloft and i've been doing a lot of studying of the domains of dread recently which was part of the ravenloft campaign setting because of the vecna videos that i've been making and uh i think that is a very strong direction to go we already have this curse of strad module you could just expand on that um, and so if people really liked Curse of Strahd and they want to keep playing, boom, here's another Domain of Dread that's operated by a hag. Here's another mm-hmm. one that's operated by this. And so you could expand on that whole world and people could run things. And then finally, I think it's going to be Planescape because we had the Great Wheel Cosmology of 2nd Edition. And that's when Monty Cook was building Planescape and all that other stuff. And then 3rd Edition, they changed it all to the tree and all this other stuff. And 4th Edition, they changed it again. But surprise, 5th edition, we're using that 2nd edition wheel cosmology, and the planes are described very much how Monty Cook described them back with Planescape. Yeah. Uh, so I think the logical thing would be, here's a book on uh, Sigil, City of Doors, and here's how you actually traverse the planes. And uh, yeah, like going from Portal Town to Portal Town to get to the Nine Hells to go back over here, and actually giving mechanics for traveling through them and what happens when you're on that plane because there was a lot of like you know when you're when you're in the nine hells and you are a evil character your stats are like boosted like you're stronger and that's what kept hypothetically this is what keeps angels from just invading the nine hells because they are good characters when they go to an evil place their powers are diminished and the and the devils can attack them so everybody's kind of in a weird balance because the devils can't go to heaven because then they're weaker and they'll know they'll die. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think, I don't know, I think it's going to be Forgotten Realms, Ravenloft, and Planescape. Yeah, and but, there's a lot of planes besides like Good and Hell and then like say the four elementals. There's things like Limbo and you know, yep. there's just like a whole plethora of planes that are out there that you could mess around with. That'd be really cool. That all have very specific things, yeah. So I I, I don't know. I think that's what it is. And if you want to run a Bitopia, like, Planescape Mm -hmm. setting, you could, you know? And Mm -hmm. so. But... We're drawing uh, merch. 
you know, they've they've dropped Sigil a couple times, and and specifically Modrons have popped into a lot of adventures, and so uh, I think uh, mm-hmm. I think Planescape's on the horizon. But that's, that's that'd me. be pretty good. I really I'm I would, and that'll oh, unify I'm... things too, right? Because yeah, like yeah. then I can I can Planescape jump to Magic the Gathering, or I can jump to my homebrew setting. Or, I, don't I know was wondering if they would do that, where they would do a Planescape that then incorporates. Eberron, all the worlds that aren't just planes, but the multiverse yeah. explanation also in, inside of that. But I'm surprised. I feel like we would be at a time now too that to build some real excitement, let them build a new campaign setting. Like each cool. of the additions have had or introduced new campaign settings. And we've got lots of third parties mm-hmm. introducing new campaign settings. Yeah. We've got Wizards of the Coast bringing in some Magics of the Gathering, so you're introducing well, some things that exist. And Wild they Mount. They haven't created I mean, anything but, yeah. themselves. Yeah, Wild Mount was brought into 5e, but you're right. They didn't create that in-house. They didn't create it, yeah. And yeah, I said, I, we both said that, that it would be really cool for them to be like, here's the races we want in the game, like Tieflings mm-hmm. and Dragonborn, and we can create where they came from from the ground up rather than trying to force them into Forgotten Realms or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What is, what is, Chris Perkins, for mo- all of his career that I can think of, has worked on properties that either already exist and he's worked stories into those existing imaginations. So the kernel of imagination, for the most part, came from somebody else's world and then he has brought in really cool stories to tell in those worlds, right? But what do we get if we get the Chris Perkins world or the Jeremy Crawford world or any of the designers that are there? We got a lot of designers in there. Those are the two that we see all the time, but mm-hmm. there's plenty of lots of designers. If they get the go ahead to say, that's it, new campaign setting, throw everything at the at the wall. What sounds cool? What's great? What's fun? Where do you want to take this? What is your stamp on the Dungeons and Dragons worlds? Mm-hmm. I'd love to see it. You know, I think fifth edition needs one of those. We've only gotten previous editions rehashes at this point. We haven't gotten anything specifically 5e only that none of the other editions have touched yeah. or had or, or did anything. And I, I doubt they'll do that just because they're Probably. playing off of nostalgia. <laughs> yeah. like, big yeah, time. Yeah. Um, and I want to point out, thank you so much, uh, chat of YouTube. You were saying that it's not Monty Cook who designed Planescape. It's a Zeb Cook. Uh, and that is correct. I know Monty's name is on a couple of those Planescape books, uh, but the overall designer, you're right, was Zeb. That's why I was thinking Monty Cook, but yeah, Zeb Cook. David Zeb Cook. He I gotcha. That. So thank you yeah. for pointing that out. Um, Mr. Skull Dixon, always, always the man in the know, that Mr. Skull Dixon. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, that's where we're going with that. I mean, we'll see what we get. Uh, 2021 <laughs> is right around the corner, but we probably won't see announcements until April, you know. We're going to be full on Tasha's cauldron of everything, uh, probably until you know well into the next year. Um, but that brings us to the, we kind of talked about the new rules that uh, Tasha's cauldron of everything is going to happen. I assume, Mister uh, Mister Lucian, that your Dungeon of the Mad Mage game is not going to be finished by the time Tasha's cauldron of everything comes out. Oh, we got characters already looking at what they want to do with something coming from that. <laughs> oh, really? And so that's what I was yeah. going to say. Are yeah. you uh, are you going to update your characters with Tasha's? Maybe I swap bet. some things around. Like, you know, I kind of went this way with a bard, but now I want to try this stuff with a bard. Uh, or even like, you know, I can I swap out this cantrip with this? Because I want 
new Tasha's Cauldron of Everything cantrips. Uh, I don't, what, what are your What are you going to do? Yeah, so, our, our dungeon master has been really good about um, if a new book comes out, that stuff's fair game for the most part. Um, even UA articles, he's been really good about letting us use even UA articles, which sometimes are a little bit overpowered. They're not quite tweaked back, but he's been able to, you know, deal with that. I think in my own games, I also would do that typically when we had, um, Volos come out, when we had Mordekainen's come out, when we had, um, uh, Xanathar's guide come <laughs> out. I let those all in my guy in my campaign immediately too. But like so if, if. Stuff. hypothetically if if uh morden kane's tome of foes just came out and mm. i'm like you know lucian i'm in your game i'm having a lot of fun i'm playing a dwarf but can he be a gith now like yeah. would you allow that yeah for sure okay cool for sure i'd let my do you character. do a story Especially thing you, or like, do you just you say me, you've always been a gith you're fine yeah well i would it depends how excited you are and i'd let you tell me how this is going to work do okay. you want to start to do a different character or are you talking about you know, swapping something in and out. Are you mm -hmm. talking about just switching it or whatever? You know, mm -hmm. you know, I'd let you decide, especially if you come to me super excited about it. Cause you just, I've always wanted to play a gift and I get that. Cause ever since I read Fiend Folio and I saw that gift Yankee on the, on the cover, I wanted to play one of those. We, I don't, I, we still haven't got to play that type of one. <laughs> yeah. We've gotten the player type one. We haven't gotten that one on the, on the front cover of Fiend Folio. Yeah. Yet. I the want astral plane Fiend Folio one. I got it yeah. right over there. Sorry. I yeah. love it. Check out my Twitter for my new background. That I got my AD&D books up. It's fun. Fiend Folio was the image that captured me. That was the one that is the most iconic to me of Dungeons and Dragons. I love it so much. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know. What about know. you? What about your campaigns? You're pretty stingy on stuff. Well, I think I think my campaign, uh, I think Rod of Seven Parts is going to be done around that time. And so uh, well, we're going to have six a... six parts, right? Yeah, they've got six parts now. They need the seventh. Uh, it's there. Like, uh, if you watch the show on Wednesday, I literally said, I was like, we're in the end game now. Like, this is, we're pushing to the very end. We got to destroy Miska the Wolf Spider. It's it's big time. Queen of Chaos is on their tails. Um, so we'll see. And but, uh, and we're good. I, I think we, when we get to that point, if, if, uh, you know, Ted and LB and stuff want to keep playing, we're going to probably reevaluate who's dungeon, who's being a dungeon master, who's going to run what. And, uh, at that point, if I'm, if I'm still running these characters and they want to take them up to like level 20 or something, it's like, okay, well I can do a, I can do other games. Like that's fine. Um, mm -hmm. but that being said, uh, I'm, I think I'm okay incorporating some stuff, but just full on swapping a, a, the, the race you're playing or things like that. I don't know if I would be super comfortable with that uh, unless there was some kind of in-story thing that made it happen. But you're right. I, it's a conversation that you would have, but definitely new new spells and stuff. And in my Wild Mount game, I talked to my DM and we're going to incorporate some of the uh, elemental spirit summoning that is Unearthed Arcana. And I'm going to use some of that for my character. So when Tasha's comes out, we'll probably just swap it over to, he was always using the official spell, you know, and you just kind of hand wave it. Yeah, yeah. And I think to, to clarify what I was saying too, is like, you have to be excited. You have to have a story reason you want to play it. Not because, hey, I want to change my dwarf because now I can get this plus three strength if I take this other character and that's going to make my fighter much better. Well, and that's what like I was- That conversation's yeah. not quite the route I'm going to go. I think I think that's what I was going to talk to you about because- yeah. uh, Or I got, that's the question I wanted to ask because yeah, story yeah. reasons, you can do a lot of cool things, but there are those players that are just like, well, now that this book is out, my, my min-maxing is not maxed. 
and my my half elf bard is just no good anymore and i really need him to be this gith yankee bard that has psionics and da 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 so i I just want to change that and i i think a lot of people are going to kind of be like well i want to do that you know so yeah yeah my min max archer i'm one of those players just so i I know exactly where that player's (laughs) coming from i know exactly what the argument is because i am playing a min maxed archer that i want to make sure is the best of all archery of archers can be archery and you know so yeah so they come out with something that says you know this race is allowed to use uh special bows that do plus 10 damage all the time you know, my, yeah, my you're like, well, I, wanna, go to, I, oh, I, that. I need yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so I do get that. And the tricky way around it players wise is I typically, if I'm done with a character, I'll let the dungeon master know, but I don't mind killing off a character either throwing them into the, into the mix of battle and that character dies. And now I get to do something different with a different character to bring it in that way or bring in a different story type character or play a different thing. I like to play them for, their quirks and I like yeah. to play them for I do play I do theory craft and I do think about oh it would be cool with this class and this combination and what would that look like that seems fun to do that and see what that would look like or to play famous characters from pop culture or stuff I'm reading or watching and say I want to bring you know Naruto in or I want to bring in you know Vampire Hunter D how do I make that character or something like that um so I do understand that too. So I try to be flexible because I know players come from all different reasons on what characters they want to play. And I do play mm. with some min-maxers. So I do get that too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I really, it's going to be your table, with, your uh, rules, with right? uh, Tasha's <laughs> coming out. Um, mostly because we were doing some like hypothetical swapping around in one of my discords and uh, using the Adventures League rules, it was like, well, clearly the best race is this. I think it was one of the dwarves that you can play. Because if you can swap out the proficiencies, uh, such as like, I'm I'm proficient with this axe, and change that into I'm now proficient with thieves tools or something like that, then looking at certain races, there is just a, well, it's better to have this one than any other. And, and it's like, oh, well, now... I could be a wizard that wears heavy armor because of the dwarf, but I could still have my intelligence. And so it's, it's interesting. It's going to be, it's going to be a, a new, a brand new game, I think. And a lot well, of stuff is going to change. And anyways, because they're supposed to give us the new rules on ha- how to handle heritage or races yeah. anyways. Right. So if a lot of people adopt those optional rules and taco is adopt is optional. Yeah. Right? yeah. It, they're it's always going to do that because they want the yeah, core yeah, yeah, three yeah. books to be the way you can play D and D, but if you want to so, have more settings. Right. And so dungeon masters out there, if you see something that's going to be problematic for your campaign, don't be afraid. I've done it in my campaign. There was a couple of things where I said, okay, everything's free game, but this one thing that's going to mess with the campaign. So I'm not allowing that one thing. Yeah. And Healing just get everybody's buy-in on it and like say, mm-hmm. here's why I think it's going to be a, I don't think it'll work. I want to keep it out. Like, I think it was like Goodberry. I took Goodberry oh, out of my yeah. campaign. Because I wanted them to have some survival aspects. I wanted them to. They had to go find to, food. Yeah. To deal with food and water in a frontier situation where they've never been. And I wanted it to be hard. And then the druid, one of them took druid. He's like, well, I'm a druid. I'll be able to know it. I'm like, yeah, but you're in a land you've never seen. You don't know that plant from any other plants here because you've, you've never been here. Yeah, you're yeah. a druid, but you're a druid of Sword Coast. <laughs> yeah. So. No, that makes sense. Um. Uh, so I have a question for you. Uh, I don't yeah. know. You you know this. Um, for the last two Octobers, maybe three, no, two, 
Um, yep. I have been running a Halloween kids on bikes game. And this has been a lot of fun. Uh, we do my my at-home players and we play uh, kids on bikes. And it's always, here's the game set on Halloween. So it's like, you are kids on Halloween. Uh, and then he, uh, here's the adventure. And so mm -hmm. the first time I did this, oh, and if you guys are interested in these, I have them uploaded to the Saturday Morning D&D Show uh, YouTube channel. And you can find them and listen to them. Or they're also on my Patreon as they're a podcast. podcast stuff too, uh, right? Yeah, so we recorded them, and they're just podcasts, and they're fun. Yeah. But uh, So it's become a Halloween tradition now. We've done it two years in a row, and we're going to do a third one. So the first year, I did Ghosts, and it was kind of spooky. And mm -hmm. the second year, we did uh, Weird Magical Crystals Were Changing the World and Altering Reality. And that was a lot of fun because they, they had to go on this adventure to find these uh, I think that I think they thought it was candy or something, but it turned out to be uh, this stuff that was just causing all this weird magical things. So in in one house, they went trick or treating and they found that there were skeletons dancing everywhere. Uh, I'm kind of paraphrasing because it's been a long time since I watched or listened <laughs> to that episode. Obviously, yeah. um, a year in fact. <laughs> so uh, this year, I have to come up with a Halloween Kids on Bikes game. We're gonna play on October 9th, so I can release it. Uh, before or on Halloween for you guys, uh, I have no idea. What should I? What should I do? What monsters? Like, should we do classic, like witches, Sasquatch? Uh, what are you thinking? Like, I want I want some help from my my uh, friends and family of the internet. Yeah. What I should my players like run the into? classic? Um, the storyline. There was an old movie. I forget if it was 80s or if it was 90s. I think it might have been 80s. The the Body Snatchers. Yeah, Invasion of the Body the Snatchers. Of the pod people that came from, like, there's a, a comet is kind of the precursor to it. And then some people start acting kind of strange. And then we find out there's little pods growing outside their house that have mm -hmm. taken them over. And then, you know, the, by the end, it's like the last person figures out everybody's a pod person. And that's mm -hmm. how the movie spoilers kind of end if you haven't seen it yet well it's been since the 80s so you could could, could have gone and watched it <laughs> that would be a great one or do something and that's why i like that one and something based on the thing which again yeah was a creature who was able to take the form of things to hide within them and that created the tension and the scariness and the hysteria or aliens. It was inside them until it mm. burst out and it hunted down. So I like this idea of taking over or maybe looking like normal, but there's something's making you think something's wrong. Something's going on. They're acting a little strange. Why yeah, is that? I could do that with uh, and then hand a secret card to every player then and be like, the you're the thing. Here's yeah, the, the werewolf game, that game where the, um, we saw him playing in Gen Con where everybody's in a chair and who's a werewolf or yeah, yeah, yeah. Secret, secret werewolf, I think are the names of those games where you're, you don't quite know who's who and you're yeah. doing voting kind of stuff, which I think would be Yeah, fun. the thing could be really fun. It's, it's interesting because Kids on Brooms came out and I got that and I wanted to try and incorporate some of the Kids on Brooms mechanics, uh, which is like casting spells. So I thought mm -hmm. it might be fun to have witches and the players find a magic wand and they have to figure out how to use it. And whoever has the magic wand has the kids on brooms uh, mechanics. Mm -hmm. But kids on brooms uh, is really like you are children at a magical school. And it's I could take some of those mechanics, but it almost makes it that I should just, I don't know, like this magic item does this and, and give them like a, 
I don't know. I'm trying to think. But if you guys have interesting ideas, uh, we're, we're getting a couple here. Some people were saying like classic universal movie monsters, which would be really fun. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, put them, put them down below because it would be fun to use something. Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but I got to think of something fast because I only have like a couple of weeks to come up with it before I have to run this game. Yeah. Or but, what about a what about a cool cuz is it for who's going to be playing in it? Is it your wife and in, in yeah. that group? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do a vampire one. I know. I was thinking about that. That would be that would be one that, she, that So she, if you don't know, my wife uh <laughs> loves vampires and she runs something yeah. called The Vampire Movie Club. I have a, a coffee mug here that she made. Um and yeah. so you can find that podcast Vampire Movie Club and I'm on it occasionally uh where they're trying to watch every vampire movie ever. Uh, and it's yeah. just funny. But yeah. have, have that. You, you have your kids. You have your opening scene, and the whole storyline's about a vampire's moved into town. Well, I see. And let and them think about yeah, it. And how do they find out about it? And yeah. what what did they do about it? Because they're just kids. Nobody believes them. I just oh, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, you, which one? All right, I got you. <laughs> no, I, well, it's too like every movie she's seen, yeah. and I would so want to do something it. that's not. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe not. I can't read or write. Okay. Anyway, like it's a challenge to your dungeon master skills. How long until she guesses? Until she realizes that they're vampires. (laughs) Everything possible so she doesn't know it's a vampire story until the end. Um. Last in the news, uh, I want to talk about. Well, I'm. I'm just going to talk. I'm going to unannounce it. But uh, Jetpack Seven is making a fantasy uh, setting for D and D Five E called Blackstorm Realms. That is D and D in space. Um, so we've talked about Spelljammer a lot, and if you guys are interested in that, go check it out. When it actually debuts, we might talk about it a little bit more. Uh, but right now, uh, it, they're not using D&D mechanic. They're not using the D&D system to have sci-fi mechanics. It's literally like you're a wizard and you can cast fireballs in space and stuff. But it looks really cool. The art looks really neat. Uh, but yeah. But that's going to bring us over to uh, Lucian's favorite part of our show, the Bardic Inspiration. So exciting. I played mine. So Yay. exciting, that Bardic Inspiration. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Mr. Lucian. You want um, me to go with mine first? I would like you to go with yours first. What What inspired you this week uh, in the world of D&D, and how can we incorporate it into some kind of game? Well, well LB just inspired me because she said, there's always the classic movie, My Mom is Dating a Vampire from the Disney Channel. Oh, that's a movie? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the classic. The classic Disney yeah. Channel movie. My yeah, mom is dating classic a Disney Channel movie. <laughs> so um, mine was a stolen bardic inspiration. Uh, we all, uh, on Dungeons & Dragons, there's quite a bit of a Twitter verse out there for Dungeons & Dragons Twitter stuff. And I happened to be scrolling along, and one of the more popular kind of posters or persons that are out there talking about stuff a lot is Sly Flourish. You'll see his name pop up here or there when he's talking about D&D stuff or rules or just asking questions and generating comments and conversation. And he had a great question that I thought would be a perfect opener for today, the cold open. And what I mean by that is starting your campaign. And his question, his question was, hey, if you're going to run Rhyme of the Frostmaiden and you're going up to Icewind Dale, brand new characters, how did you bring them together? What are, what, why, how do you get them up there? How are they even up there? Why are they even up there? So I thought for Bardic Inspiration today, we might put out some ideas on how you start your campaign and how do you bring them characters together? 
Or have you been the dungeon master, which has been me lately, who's kind of been lazy and just said, you know what, you guys are just already together and we're going to move on. <laughs> you meet in a tavern. You're fine. You've been playing that out. <laughs> right. So what about Jordan's games? I, I feel like, how are you doing your games when you're starting that campaign? How are you explaining the players know each other? Well, let's think about, um, let's think about some of my games. So uh, Hot Springs Island, mm-hmm. we very much, uh, they were all prisoners together. And uh, part of their prison sentence is that they're on this island and they had to do that. So that's how they met. And they stayed together really for survival purposes. Like it's better for us to be in a group rather than I'm just going to go off on my own and die. So and was that stated or was that role played in the game? Uh, That was stated at the very beginning. And I said, here's the premise that we're going to go for. And then they kind of went with it. So when they were dropped off on the, they they were on a boat and they got dropped off on the Island and the guy's just like, okay, I need you to bring me back gold in order to pay off your debt. Um, And in order for you to do this, you need to go. And they're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like what's out there. And they're like, I don't know. Apparently there's gold. Go find it. Mm -hmm. The more you bring us back, the more that magical curse will, will free you. And then you'll eventually be able to leave the Island. And so that was the whole premise. Um, I think Greyhawk, uh, Saltmarsh, Ghost of Saltmarsh. I just said, um, you guys are, you're, you, you're all coming to the town of Saltmarsh. Um, how did you get there? And some of them were like, well, I came in on a boat or I was from this region or I've been living here my whole life. Uh, and then we kind of just had them meet up because, uh, a local, uh, I want to say King, but like basically the governor of salt marsh was like, I need you to investigate this stuff. Um, and then that's how they came together. But yeah, I don't, I'm bad at that. Now that I'm, now that I'm describing this, I was like, Oh yeah, I don't know. What like, is your cold open? Yeah. How do you play that out? And I kind of got lazy because it was hard to figure out because it can be awkward too. If you just have your players sit down and they're all staring at each other and they're like, okay guys, you're in a tavern, go ahead and meet naturally and become great bestest friends that you want to go on life threatening adventures with. And I'll sit and wait until you guys do that. You know, that just doesn't, doesn't always feel right. Um, so a cold open, I thought was like, why would we put him up into Icewind Dale. I like the idea. He he had mentioned that, you know, we could go the prisoner route. Some people do the prisoner route, which is yeah. just like exactly what you did. They, yep. So you're stuck and thrown together and you have to do something. I like the idea that they were, maybe that they are criminals running from the law. And maybe that's a way that they've gotten up there and maybe try to use that as an in and role play that out. On, on my couple of campaigns, I'm trying to think back on the ones... Um, Storm King's Thunder, we just said you guys already know each other so that we could start moving on and playing the game and get get it moving. Um, the one I did like was the one we did with McLancy Waddle's um, mini adventure that we did with you and LB and... Mm-hmm. Uh, or, um, no, uh, uh, or PB. I'm PB, sorry. yeah. Get the Bs, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and don't get your Bs What I liked confused. about that was is you were playing teenagers that had lived all of their life at a town and the town council had decided to train their kids in adventuring skills because of a tragedy that had happened in town where some kids had went out and got themselves basically killed because they were out trying to adventure on their own and they weren't telling anybody and it was just a tragedy and the the town council came together and said we can't let that happen and they're going to do it we can't just say no don't go out there because it's a dangerous world so it'd be better if we just taught them and prepared them early and then that way 
you know, at least they have something to fall back on. So I like that idea of that's how you knew each other. Maybe you did some training together before you went out on your adventure and you can kind of learn, you know, see each other. Um, but it's tough to figure out how do these characters come together? The other thing I've been thinking about too is this idea where the one character is central and you're relying on that person to gather the others for the thing they want to do. Right. So the campaign kickoff, and it might not even be the main campaign, but it's how you start the kickoff is this one person has this thing to do. You pick one of your players, one of probably the most outgoing players. You say, okay, what's your big thing? And here you're, you've been tasked to do this, but you need some other people to help you. How are you going to go find those people and where are you going to find them at? And then talk to the other players to then develop characters that kind of suit that and bring them together that way. That sounds like a heist. And you're just yeah, like, there you go. <laughs> you go off and you're just like, hey, I need a yeah. guy that does uh, gymnastic stuff. And he goes, you son of a bitch. I'm in. And then he goes <laughs> to the next guy. I need a guy that can like weld things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That could be fun. And then uh, that would be actually an interesting um, way to start is if you're like, okay, I've got one player and uh, he builds his character, or whatever, and you have the world all set up, a conversation with the DM. And then that player is like, I'll go find the players. And so mm -hmm. he literally is calling people and he's like, Hey, my character needs somebody who does this. You want to build a character that does. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, get a character yeah. concept that yeah. would fit that. And then they could like collab and like, yeah. okay, yeah, I wanted to play this elven ranger that could do this and that. I and think then you, the DM cool. could and be the guy be, that's hiring them. That would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually what I'm doing in this. When I re kick off my next campaign, I have it based around our dwarven character who wants to open up a mine mm -hmm. and he's having to go and get the other players to help him as things start to happen and I'm letting it stay centric on him and putting that on the players to come up with versus me trying to tell them, you know, how they all come together. So mm. yeah, that's my idea. I, that's another a, one, that, inspiration. Uh, another, I, I listened to board with life adventures. They're a fun podcast. Um, and, uh, they are doing a thing called XP Academy where all of these kids mm -hmm. are at this school for like adventurers I like um, that and the too. kids are there because they were all born under a special star on a certain year. Mm -hmm. And so these are like really rare kids that have this adventuring potential and that's why they're there. And I thought that was kind of fun. So they're just in a school setting where they get to be like, okay, I guess you, yeah, we'll hang out. I don't know. And so, you got to do that seventh son or the seventh daughter yeah. of the seventh daughter. Yeah. And they bring all those together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's, it's fun. And so they're, they're, they're kind of special. I like it. Um, cool. Well, what was yeah. your bardic inspiration then? Yeah. First? So I've been reading a lot about uh, the, the planes and like the domain mm -hmm. of dread and the astral sea and things like that. And one of the interesting things about the astral sea especially from fourth edition where it was kind of a physical sea that, that you could, you know, swim on um, is that it's an area for dead gods to be at. And it makes me think of, uh, uh, I forget the name of the place in guardians of the galaxy, but they fly to that ancient head. Yeah. Nowhere. Know? Nowhere. What they call that, that's it. Yeah, what it was. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but that's also like an ancient being that they're mining mm -hmm. out these things. Well, there's places like that in the Astral Sea, like these giant yeah. god corpses that are just floating around. Um, and and sometimes there's towns on them and people build things because it's like an island and they can live there. Uh, but it, yeah, so it got me thinking of how, where do those come from? How do they get there? And then what if the plot of your game is, I want to resurrect this old god. 
and and throw the world into chaos or maybe that's the evil villain wants to do that and you have to stop that so mm-hmm. my bardic inspiration was uh, i wanted to do the session zero is actually like if i have four players i'm going to give them four ridiculously statted uh god sheets and so i'm like i want you to play these sheets and i'm kind of stealing this from out of the abyss and if you've read out of the abyss uh there's a mechanic where you you can you as the players can kind of play uh the demon lords and it's it's fun Mm -hmm. so uh and then i wanted to have them literally have a fight to the death so these four gods are fighting each other um, and we could use miniatures. We could do anything way. And they might have special abilities. Who knows? And maybe it's like one's the god of rangers. So he's like a really powerful ranger or something. Uh, but whoever dies, uh, that's the corpse that's floating around in the astral sea. So then when you start the campaign and the players are on this thing, they are like, oh, this is like so-and-so who died. And I know that his magic, like, but I guess my character doesn't know, but like, I know that the Mm -hmm. magic comes from his bones or something. Uh, And I thought that could be fun because then the players have a little more investment in the world that you're creating because they literally were there at the dawn of time when these other three gods ganged up and killed this one God or something. So I love it. So now, because every time you say your bardic inspiration, it makes me think of one based on what you just said. (laughs) Now I want to go to my party and I want to, I want to say to them, Hey, I want you guys to make level 20 characters, trick them out the best you can make the, the most, whatever you want to do, whatever cool thing you've ever thought to do level twenties, go ahead and make them. And I'm hoping that they're thinking, Oh, all right, Lucian's going to get us to play this high level 20 campaign. And then when I'm going to take all those character sheets and say, this is the pantheon of evil. Now you've created all that is evil in the world. And now we're starting at level one. And these are what you have to take out. The, your mission is to kill these yeah. characters you've created. Oh, that'd be so fun because they would know them. They and they yeah. were the ones that created them. And and I'd let them even do the backstories and then eventually how they turned evil and how they are ruling the world and they're the the dread overlords of the world and need to be overthrown. And then start your campaign off with that. Oh, that would be so fun. I love it. That's a good one. That made that made me start thinking. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I like that. What? Idea. And I like the, the image of the astral sea, even if it's not a true sea, but it still acts like a sea and there's maybe astral ships that float on it. Yeah. And you come across this mountainous form that you realize is the corpse of a mm-hmm. dead God of a previous God. And what can be done with that? Do you yeah. resurrect it? Do you mine it? Do you extract things from it? Do you destroy it further so it can never come back because it was such a terrible evil when it was around? Or you know, what are the things that are happening there? What would your players yeah. do? That's such a cool or game. or a, a magic item creation. I've been thinking a lot about that, and it's like, okay, in order to make this shield, you're going to need the thumbnail of a dead god, and like yeah. that's a whole thing to go and find it and then extract it and. And, and it's not, you know, a thumbnail from a dead god is not made of bone and, and chitin or whatever else. You have to, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably some crazy magical material that you then have to figure out how to mold and shape into a shield. But once you do, you can reflect spells or something crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, something yeah. cool. Um, no, I, like I really it. like it. I think it's awesome. So that, I've been reading a lot of older stuff lately, and uh, hopefully these will all come out in new videos. So if you guys are interested, that'll be fun. Uh, yeah, so we've, we've got a little bit of time left. Uh, Lucian, how is your uh, D- Dungeon of the Mad Mage game going? What's going on there? Pretty good. It was funny. Um, 
again, never trying to put any spoilers in, but it, you know, it's going to be 20 something levels of dungeon madness. So you're going to see just about every type of creature that pops in the monster manual at some point, yeah. just to fill out all those levels. Um, it was a weird coincidence the way we explored some areas um, that it, when I was sitting back looking at it from the lens of um, like it was a show or a movie or something, we ran into three different things. We ran into some Nothics, then we were separate. Then we ran into some um, gibbering mouthers. Mm -hmm. And then we ran into, I think that we were either Anhags or Melianoths or something like that. Big uh, insect looking creatures. And I got this, it was funny that those three creatures together then gave me this very big Cthulhu vibe. Like if you wanted to mix, you were doing a, a Cthulhu-esque Eldritch God kind of campaign and you mix certain things together just because of how they look, not necessarily anything else about them, but just the idea of this thing that's covered in mouths, this thing with this weird gaping eye, you know, these things that are really insect-like and very, very foreign and, and weird mandible stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I liked how that, that combination gave me this vibe of Cthulhu, even though it, it wasn't intended. It wasn't, that's not what they were trying to do or yeah. it wasn't even in there, but because that's how we happened to, to come across them, you know, you start to get that creepy vibe. I like that. So it started making me think about like, what other combinations, like if you took three combinations of creatures and those are the three things you meet, it kind of forms your, your kind of imagination a little bit, you know, you could, could push something towards the Fae or it could, push something towards the shadow fell or it could push something towards, you know, weird aberrations and things just because it just happened to be the three. So I, I started thinking about as a dungeon master, how I might be able to use that if I want to theme an area in a certain way using the combinations, not just one creature, but like a, a three or a four creature combo to, to make that feeling come across. I thought would be really fun and challenging. Yeah. So I like that's been really good. I like the idea of, of planes like touching in a way. And so you're just like, yeah. we're not in the Feywild, but like it's bleeding out and you can yeah. tell that it's bleeding out because like the plants are now like moving and attacking you. Yeah. Um, and in the, in the case of your Cthulhu thing, uh, the far realm or something, uh, you, you, you might be in a forest and the far realms bleeding through. And so you encounter, uh, Instead of, I mean, Nothics have their own history, but instead of the old man in the cabin, he's been mm -hmm. under this radiation for so long that when he comes out, he is a Nothic. And you're, you have to, yeah. what is going on here, you know? And yeah. the instead of antlers on the deer, he's got tentacles moving around or something. Yeah, yeah. And you could then change or reskin a deer to be, um, monster-wise, change the deer to be uh, mm -hmm. like an a, And that's a, what I was thinking too, like use something. the aesthetic of the creature, yeah. not necessarily the background or what, you know, where their normal habitat is or yeah. whatever D&D-wise, but use that aesthetic to to try to draw in some, some ambiance and some you know fill in some of the setting that you're doing for the area mm. so i thought that was pretty cool i'm loving dungeon mad mage i feel like um we're probably close to maybe getting down to the third level so maybe a lot <laughs> so of you many levels to go through <laughs> second before the campaign has petered out ours i'm hoping to get to the I third wonder, level I don't does think it I does it this. pyramid so like like because those are big levels and then i wonder yeah. if you get to like the fifth is it like okay this is a little easier to, to explore the whole thing because I'm like, you guys are going to be playing this for like years, I feel. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I'm going to love it. <laughs> I love it. I've That's always funny. wanted to play the big mega dungeon. So not very, very few dungeon masters can stick with it. I'm one of them. I, my attention span can't stick with it. But to be able to play a mega dungeon 
you know, 25, 26 levels of dungeon. Yeah. Um, that's tough to find. You don't get a lot of people playing like that. So yeah. Um, Jordan's games. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess the big one is, uh, rod of seven parts where my players went to this weird demi plane. Um, and they ran into an old man that was like maybe a necromancer or something, but they were like, I don't know, not sure about his backstory. And it turns out that he is a pit fiend from the nine hells. And oh, it's kind of okay. interesting. Cause like Asmodeus knows that if the queen of chaos, who is a demon gets the rod of fragments back and frees her Lieutenant Miska, the wolf spider, the blood war is going to be tipped in the balance of the demons. Like it's going to be amazing. It's, it's just way too much. And so, uh, the hell has the nine hells has a potential of losing this war. So when they got a rod fragment, they were like, all right, pit fiend devil, you're in charge of guarding this. I'm going to put you in this weird extra dimensional space. Uh, and we'll seal that off from the queen of chaos. So she can never get in there, but mm -hmm. also you could never leave. And so he's been there for, you know, no, who knows how long. Um, using the power of the other rod fragments, our players were able to pierce that and get through, but they're not going to be able to leave until they get that rod fragment from him. So uh, it was an interesting thing. They were trying to figure out what he was. Uh, my players got a little confused. If I'm honest, it wasn't my favorite episode because I thought it was going to go in a kind of a different direction. And they were very focused on like, well, we better go kill this guy. And then I kind of frankly had to just say, you don't have to. Like, <laughs> I'm trying, I'm doing a bad job of explaining that you do not have to uh, kill this guy because he wants to give you the rod if you promise to use it for the right thing. Because this guy doesn't want to be in this plane anymore. Um, so it was a it was a fun conversation. They ended up getting the sixth rod fragment from this pit fiend without co much conflict. And then mm -hmm. from that, they were able to leave the demi plane or the demi plane just served its purpose and collapsed. They don't really know. But now uh, there is a tornado over Baldur's Gate and they have to figure out what's going on with that. And they think that their magical orrery that opens to pocket dimensions does that. Um, and speaking of uh, Planescape and stuff like that, uh, I didn't make this up. This is part of the adventure, but the last rod fragment is actually in Pandemonium, which is a, uh, a plane of existence that is not hospitable and nice. So, <laughs> excuse me. So I'm going to have a lot of interesting uh, mechanics to play with. And I'm already plotting a bunch of stuff about when they go into pandemonium, are they going to be able to like, is because apparently fire magic doesn't work because the winds are so fast. It just blows it away. Um, so there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff like that, that I'm, I'm looking forward to playing around with. Uh, but that is in the future. Uh, and for those of you who watch me on Sunday's prep, we're not going to play next Wednesday. So I'm not going to prep tomorrow. So uh, I will not be on the Twitches tomorrow morning. But yeah. Crazy. So have they put the rods together though? No. So they currently have a three fragment rod, a two fragment rod and a one fragment rod. And so they need to combine all of them. And I, and I told them that basically like, if you're going to want to kill Miska, like you need to have all the rod fragments together. And so they're like, Oh, okay. Like we better put them together. So they have to take care of this tornado first and then they have to figure out how to do that. But, uh, but it's going to be interesting when they do, because then one 
excuse me, one player has it, and that player will become very, very powerful. I hope uh, it turns yeah. into a fire tornado. Is what Ooh, I, okay. <laughs> fire, fire tornado or a yeah. shark tornado. Either oh, one yeah, is yeah. really Maybe it'll go over the water and pull up some sharks. That could be fun. That'd be that could great. be a fun joke, actually. I should do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right when they go into pandemonium, it follows them in, and it's a shark tornado. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so pandemonium is my next place. Uh, and it's funny because when we started this adventure um, – LB was talking to me and she's like, Hey, I've never done a planescape adventure. Like I've never, I've never gone to a different plane. So mm -hmm. she said, when this adventure is over, you should run another one where we go to another plane. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, little do you know that by the end of this adventure, you will be plane hopping all over. So it'll be fun. <laughs> that's uh, cool. yeah, that's my game. Pretty much wild mount is, uh, tonight. Uh, we're fighting uh, in a Coliseum. Uh, I don't know. The, the, the DM's just kind of like, I just wanted to have something fun. So we we ran into this like traveling Coliseum thing and there's a big dome and we have to go in certain rounds and defeat people. But if we kill people, uh, then we're disqualified and arrested. So it all has to be non-lethal damage, which uh, I don't know if you know this, but rules is written. You can't say my lightning spell does non-lethal damage. Magic uh, is not magic non -lethal. is <laughs> Magic cannot be non-lethal yeah, like arrows, you can with a weapon. You can say, uh, you know. Daggers, yeah. Yeah. Nothing so, thrown uh, is non-lethal. So uh, that's, that's going to be interesting. And we're going to have a new player join us, which is going to be fun. So he's rolling up a fighter, I think, and uh, it'll be good. So tonight, tonight, I'm really excited. Again, that's Josh A. Manu Manu, my conjuration wizard he's really fun really fun uh yeah there's a dog barking uh that's our show ladies and gentlemen uh real quick i was gonna say lucian if you did not watch my video on using notion for campaign prep you should watch it. actually oh, okay in fact and then on twitter even later notion the company then linked your videos saying here's another notion video you can watch i thought out somewhere out on twitter oh yeah that's cool because yeah, yeah. um, I thought you might find it interesting and I didn't get to tell you that in the beginning. Yeah, and I you mentioned exactly what I use, which is OneNote yeah. in the very beginning. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm using OneNote. And then you were talking about Notion, which was really cool, which yep, definitely wanted to look at. Because yeah. I like the idea of being able to create a database and then be able to link pages that, that yeah. bring stuff from that database. I think it's that's really cool fun. Way. It's been useful for me and I really like it a lot uh, for my creating. Apparently Google's mm -hmm. making another, basically kind of the same thing as Notion. It's called Google Files. Um, hmm. it's in beta right now and I signed up for the beta and I've been playing around with it a little bit. Uh, they want you to pay a lot more money to have, to utilize its functions than notion. Sure. Uh, but, uh, it, it could be good. I like the, the way that it could integrate with Google drive, which is what I use for yeah. a lot of things. And so, I still want but, to dive into that world anvil that I keep seeing a yeah, lot of other people say Dungeons it's good. And dragons people, people talk good. about. So. Right. Uh, anyway, thank you guys so much. That's our show. Uh, we really appreciate you guys coming out and watching us live or listening to the podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. Please like, subscribe, share this video with your, your friends, friends, tell a friend. Uh, we would like to grow. We would also week. like Apple uh, iTunes reviews would be really wonderful. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you guys again. Um, anything else before we take off, Mr. Lucian? I'm going to go beat some dogs because they nope. keep barking. You are not. You are not. You are you are an animal lover. We do not want to yeah. say that. <laughs> but actually, what it means is I'm going to give them biscuits. So yeah, they, they need they need treats basically. <laughs> All right, thanks everybody. We'll see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D and D Show. Goodbye. Bye. Our intro and outro music is Eight Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.